We've been focused on this new series called Center, and it was a great uh, introduction to what I'm about to go into today. Last week, Mark started this, 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 this great talk, and the, the talk was centered on Christ being the center. He looked at Paul and his message to the, the Colossi church, or the Colossi church, I have one you want to say it. And he said, you need to keep Christ at the center. That was the essence of the message. And not just that, you need to grow in him as well. And, he, and, and, and Paul was speaking to the, the whole of the Colossians there, and they're saying, look, you're doing so well, but I'm worried about people coming in and changing what you know. Keep Christ at the center, because people are coming in and speaking all type of nonsense to you, and it's not true. The false teachers are coming along and taking off on a new direction, and it's not right. Keep the main thing the main thing, he said. God's, God's kind of like giving us at the moment. He's saying, I'm happy with where you are as a church. And he's commending us on the journey so far. And he's saying, you're doing great work. Look where we've got. Look what you're doing. You go into phase two. We've got this new building next door. And, and we're really going to go through it. And it's going to be a place where, where Christ is known. We, 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 you've put all your energy into it. You've put your resource into it. You're, you're, you're everything you have to make that work. And God is saying, well done, church. But a word of warning, as we press forward, it's important you, you, you have Christ at the center. It's important if we're going to, as the yearly vision, is to put God first and press into God and press into what God has for us. If we're going to do that, we need to keep Christ at the center. And it's just a word of warning. If we're going to progress, we need to hold Christ. We don't want to get distracted because everyone's going to give us a round of applause saying, well done, look, look at Vineyard Church, you're amazing, look what you're, you're achieving. And be drawn off because ourselves, we're not right with God. And we said, why do we need to keep Christ at, at the center? And we put a reason out. Mark said, you know what, according to scripture, because Jesus is God. And that's why we keep it at the center. He is God. And if he's God, he is over all things. He is rule over all things, all the seen things and the unseen things. He is the rule of the universe. He's the rule of you and I. And we keep him at the center. So this week, I want to talk about faith. And faith in the center, faith in Jesus. And how do we keep him there? And where do we stand as a church and as individuals? Father God, I just want to pray right now that you'd come and that you would open our hearts and that would receive a message, that would receive your word, that you would challenge us, <laughs> that it won't be just another Sunday. This would be a Sunday of change. Yes, yes. We are growing up and we can take harder word now. It's not just milk anymore, we're going in. So Father, I ask for your grace to speak this word and I pray for your spirit to come in such a way that people, even as we're speaking, will start changing. In Jesus' name. So my focus will be on Colossians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. And I've gone old school, I've gone to a Bible, rather than having some kind of electric device. So I want to hear the pages turn with you guys as well. And what I'll do is, I'll, I'll go through the, the, the scripture, but I'll break it down and we'll stop at each uh, uh, verse, if you wish, okay? So we'll start at verses 5. For though I am absent in flesh, this is Paul speaking, 
Yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and your steadfastness of your faith in Christ. And here's Paul, he, he hasn't really met these guys before, this, this Colossae church or Colossi church, but they've started up and he's hearing good things about them. And he says, your steadfastness in your faith in Christ. He goes, I'm hearing good things and you're, you're standing really strong on this. And he, he didn't say, your steadfastness in the leadership, the people that brought you to the church, you've not got faith in them, you've got faith in Jesus. Oh, it's not, you haven't got steadfastness in the faith in me. You've heard lots about Paul, I'm doing good works, yeah, but it's not your faith in me, it's your faith in Jesus. And it's not your faith in, in the work you're doing, like feed ministry or something. It's not your faith in the worship when you come here. It's your faith in Jesus. And he commends them saying, well done. It's good that you're just focused. You're keeping the main thing, the main thing. You're keeping the main thing, the main thing. Because there's a lot of distractions out there. But you're keeping the main thing, the main thing. Verses six and seven. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. <laughs> Receiving the gift of faith. You did not earn that. You know what? God had such a way that he set something up. We were absent from him. We were distant from him. This great void between two mountains. And we couldn't have this relationship. And he set up a way that we could have a relationship and it was through Christ Jesus. It was through Christ that Christ would go to the cross and he would lay down his life as a lamb to the slaughter for our sins, that he may bridge the gap and bridge the gap in such a way that now the two mountains, if we have a little bit of faith which he gives us, we can move mountains so us and God are now closer. Jesus is God and God coming to earth made such a way for you and I, that we can stand strong and say, I'm not all that I could be, and I am distant from you, but God gives you a plant, he plants a piece of faith in you, and that faith you can do what you want with. But if you put it into Jesus, he goes, I will show you wonders, I will show you mysteries, I will show you something you have never seen before. I will show you a relationship that you've all longed for, and that is a father's love. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> It's like, you put your faith in Jesus is putting your, your faith on the rock. He is the firm foundation. And in life, we wanna do the best that we can do, right? We wanna walk strong, but there's a lot of sinking sand areas. And if we're not careful, if we don't keep our eyes straight on the main thing, we can sink. But he says, here, Christ, the rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I will stand up on the truth. I will stand up that on God that Jesus is my all in all, and he is the one that will show me my path. He will show me the path for my life. He will show us the path of this church, not the wonders of man and man's intentions. But if we put him at the center, he will direct us for what is true. Because there's a lost world out there, and it's that lost world while we are still here. And it says in the scripture, it says, it kind of looks, the way the scripture kind of unravels is to suggest that faith is something we grow into. And we're encouraged to grow. 
We're encouraged to, to not just sit with the little bit of faith that we have. Although the truth is, it's not how much faith you have, it's how much, it's what you do with that faith. But as a starting point, that's good. But then you need to grow. And as you become more and more in with Jesus, you become more and more, you're stretched if you wish. And your faith begins to enlarge. And you start doing more and more things for the kingdom of God. But it's about what you do with your time. It's about what you do with your relationship with God. You can't be relying on anyone else, nor can you be relying on the speaker to give it to you every week. You want a meal just once a week? You need to eat five times a day. Oh, Jimmy, yeah, not three. It needs to be at least five. You need to be getting in this word. This is life. And it's a word that he says, I place higher than myself, he said. This is the word of God. I place it higher than myself, Jesus said. God said it. And you should take the same thing and put the word in there. Hallelujah. And it says, look, be thankful. And why are we thankful? Because Jesus done it. It's nothing you do by yourself. It's nothing you could do by yourself. You can't try and work this out on your own. He made the way for you. It was him who gave you the even initiative to say that you were in sin. It was him that said, you're in a problem right now, then I give you the faith to come out of that if you just believe in me and what I've done and what God has created and that you can be free. So yeah, thankfulness stems up within that. We get excited about that. And then we can look to things like Hebrews 12 too, which is not on the screen. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set for us, looking onto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. For who, for the joy of the cross, despising the shame, has set down at the right hand of God, that we have a work to do. And God has set it up for us to keep going and keep moving. Phase two is going. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do great things in here. But let's keep a faith on Jesus because it was him who initiated this and it'd be him who's faithful and, uh, to, to, to finish it. But let us keep the main thing, the main thing. And you, you know what I like about that scripture? Christ sit, is seated at the right hand of God. Do you know when you sit down, you're in power? Our queen, Elizabeth, when you look any photo of her on her throne, she would not be standing. Where's her husband, by the way? Her husband is standing next to her. He's not sitting on the throne, is he? No, she's there because she's seated in power. As Christ is now above all things, seated in heavenly places, and he is the head of the church. And who is the church? You and I. And he's head over it saying, I'm above all things, above all spiritual principalities. I'm above all your things and all the fleshy things and all the things we worry about in this world. He goes, all those things you're concerned about, he's ruler over them. And guess who he put in charge on the earth to be ruler over them? You and I, the church, because we keep Christ at the center of our faith. Verses 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Hmm. Philosophy, traditions of men. It's interesting, when you look at the Old Testament, and the end of the Old Testament, the last book is Malachi. You've got a 400-year gap, and then you've got Matthew comes on the scene. And then Matthew starts speaking about John the Baptist and so forth. Those 400 years, no prophet spoke. And that is the era of Greeks. A lot of philosophy came from the Greeks. 
And in that season, where God did not speak, you had man trying to work out what's going on. And you had man saying, this is why we are alive. This is why we do things. This is the reason for life. This is how you do life well. And from that, a lot of things stemmed. Even Judaism started to generate and start pulling on things that weren't right. You got a lot of pagans taking on a lot of philosophies that were not right. And here comes Christ, John the Baptist in Matthew saying, behold, we need to change some things. Some things are not right. And here Paul is saying the same thing. There are a lot of things in the world that are trying to get your attention, which believe they are higher than God. A lot of things in science, or whatever it may be, which science can be a good thing, but it'd be a distraction if God's not within it. And a whole host of things coming into our life trying to tell us that actually, no, God is not right. And actually, don't put your faith like that. Actually, it's okay as a Christian. Oh, here we go. It's okay as a Christian to be not married, but yet we sleep with each other. The traditions of men start coming into the church. That it's okay to do that. It's okay not to tithe. We'll make a new thing. I'll do what I want to do. Let's go out on a Friday night and drink ourselves silly. It's okay, we have grace. It's wrong. Church, it's wrong. And if we become real with it, we need to know that we set an example for the youth after us. And if we're saying to the youth, you're wrong and you keep the stuff you're doing, it's because they've learned from a legacy we left them. And as a people, as this church, we will not be that way. We will, not be that way. we will stand strong on his word. We will be true to who he said we should be. And we will not allow the traditions of men to start shaping the way that we think because we should be here giving direction. I told you this last time that light and dark are, not, are the two separate things. Darkness is not real in the sense that it's not a matter. The absence of light creates darkness. And if you, as light, are not being light in a dark world, darkness reigns. Yet we're looking, they are looking for direction, they are looking for truth, and it has been given to you, deposited within you, within this faith seed that you have. It's placed within you. But if you just place it at the center, if you allow that to flourish within you, you can be all God has called you to be. Do you believe it? What do we do with this faith then? Sometimes, I was trying to work this out, and I said there's three categories, I think, of what we can, how we place our faith. And I think the first one is faith in everything but Jesus. Sometimes we have faith in another faith, be it Islam or Hinduism or something else. And, or sometimes it's us, but we don't have Christ in there at all. We want to do what we feel is right, it's a faith, but it's absent from Christ. And it could be science, it's, that's, my, that's my faith. The second one would be, this is what I want to dwell on, is the shared faith. Where within us, we have things that we call sacred. And we have things within us what are called secular. And all the secular things we say are not to do with Christ. And all the sacred things we say, that's for Christ. So for church, that's for Christ. All the stuff in here, yeah, 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 I've got faith in him on that, that's cool. But the things in the secular world, and that will be different for everybody in here, I'm sure, is where you place certain, I'll give you some examples. You'll say, no, 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 I've I got that one. Finances, secular or sacred? Secular for some. My work, I put my faith in to pay my wage. 
I put my faith in my business and the economy because the economy will show the way that I can move forward. Should the economy do well, which I have faith in its predictions, then my business does well. My family's happy. I have faith in outside sources. It's my work. I work really hard, night and day, which is important to do, but under the right master. You do not work for money. Money should work for you, yes? Family, sacred or secular. I would say a lot of Christians would say that. The family thing is, we'll put that under Christ. Let's put Christ at the head of our family, but... Sometimes it becomes you who you think you put your faith in yourself to run your family. But actually, men especially, we want to do the best that we can, but we realize we fail in areas. And Christ is saying, why don't you just put that into the sacred? Why don't you put that into me? Let me really be the head of your house, rather than trying to take control of that. And actually, you get to a point where you can't deal with matters, so you lash out. Or you retreat, and you go into yourself and start doing things you should not be doing, because you feel like a failure. When you're not, he's just saying, just put your faith in me and let us get you through this. You could put it in your partner, that your partner, you may not be doing ever the best around the house, but you put your faith in your partner, she would do it, or he would do it. Your health, what about that one? Where does that come? When you get ill, you come and say, yeah, that's definitely church thing. That's definitely a sacred thing. You better heal me quickly. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Or is it out there? You just say, you know what, I rely on doctors and what the doctors say about the situation. Is it in medicine? Which is a good thing, okay? But what I'm saying is that when, you're, when someone tells you something and you believe it wholeheartedly, and it could be still a lie, it should be really in Christ, where he says, I will tell you the truth. You think you're ill? You're not ill. Be healed. And it can go on. There's loads of things in there. And what I propose to you is this, that there is no secular, that there is only sacred and that everything you do with Christ being at the ultimately all of everything, everything is sacred. And that everything in your life, everything in your life should be put to Jesus. Your work, your family, your health, your decisions where you want to go and where you feel you need to go should be all in him. Get rid of secular. Get rid of secular because when we do keep it like that, you know what, in places where we need to reach out to people, we have no faith in it, so we don't reach out to the secular world. We don't reach out into that area because we have no faith in it ourselves. But if we treat everything as, as, as sacred, then we say that when I walk on the train, I'm praying, who can I help today? And that when I, when I go home, how can I really be the head of my house? God, you better show me what to do. And that we can reach out to the people at our workplace. We're not just worried about trying to make the next buck, that we're actually thinking about their life. And what am I here for? It's more than just making money because my God, owns the cattle on the hill. My God owns all things. So why should I be afraid? But rather, actually, I'm here for a purpose. I'm here to challenge. I'm here to shake up the status quo. I'm here to, to pull down the strongholds because Christ lives in me. You getting something from this? What about the third category? I said that's someone who has Jesus at the center completely. That's someone who has put everything else aside and says, I give you my all. I lay down my life as you did, Lord, for me. And I give you the little that I have, but the little that I have, would you do something with it? And he then begins to, God, shape you, mold you, and it's not by your own strengths. It's not by might, nor by power, but by thy spirit. 
And that, as a church, moving into phase two is where we must remain for some of you and where we must attain to for others. I want to show you something which excited me. It may not excite you, but I hope it does. In Luke 5, Jesus is at a place where he's beginning his ministry and he's rounding up his disciples. He's trying to get the team together, right? Just like a good football team. Yeah, you need to go scout around, yeah? He's doing just that. And let me read to you in verses, I'll start from verses one, I'll read from there. Um, So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, and he stood at the lake of Gennesaret, is that right? And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from there and was washing their nets. Then he got out into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put a little out from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, hey, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great multitude of fish and the net was breaking. I like the word breaking. So they... So they signal for their partners to come to the boat and, and so forth, and they come and help them, and they get all this big hoard up into the boat, and they're struggling with this hoard. Let's look at this. Here is a carpenter around my age, walking around telling fishermen who had been out all night to go and put your nets down. They're like, you're carpenter. I've been out all night, I do this as a living, and I didn't catch anything. And you want me to go in the day where the fish are definitely not and put my nets down. He goes, they do it anyway. And look what happens. Can I propose this to you? That they place Jesus' word higher than their experiences. How is that if we walk into phase two and we don't rely on our past experiences? feel a little emotional about that. For some of you, I know you feel like you failed in areas. But it's not the case. Nothing is wasted. A fisherman. In the New King James Version, something happens. He said, put your nets down. They said, I'll put a net down. I don't see it in the other uh, versions, but in the New King James Version, they say they put, they put their nets down there. He said, okay, by your word, I'll put a net down. It says net, singular. How much more if they were to put their boat, all the nets down and put their full trust in Jesus? And I think that's where I are as a church sometimes. We hear a good word. We say, well, I can't put my faith into some of that, but it's not my whole heart. And he says, actually, why don't you trust me with everything you've got? Would you do that? Would you trust everything you have for God? Would you give him everything? Because then the breaking wouldn't happen. Because you would have had more than enough, yeah? Okay. I believe that Christ is a better dad than most dads. I believe he's a better mother than most mothers. I believe he's a better partner than most partners. I believe he's a better businessman than most businessmen. What am I saying is that he wasn't a fisherman, but he was greater than that. He was the creator of all things, and he knows all things. Put your faith in him in all that you do. All that you do. I want to finish with a story. I was at a party a couple of weeks ago, and um, I was dressed up as a Joker, you know, from Batman. A black Joker, there's nothing wrong with that, it's okay. Come on, you know, 
We want me to go, <laughs> typical black, Mr. T, yeah? All right, cool. <laughs> no, I'll change it up a bit, you know? Come on, I can do that. And I was doing my boogie on the dance floor, doing my Christian shake, you know, keeping it holy and all that. And um, this young kid walked past me, and he, he's a waiter. And I, I'm looking at him, I said, wow, hey, he's doing a great job. And then got on with my night, and he came back again. And this time, God said to me, go and speak to him. I want to give him something. And I was like, what? Now? So he's, he's doing his thing around with his train. I'm like, uh, I need to speak to you. <laughs> he goes, okay, one minute. He goes, uh, he goes, I need to go and cash up, and I'll come back. Is that okay? And uh, I go, that's fine. Anyway, he didn't come back. And I was like, oh, man, dang. So I was like, okay. Um, I've got to go now. But I went to the, to the bar, and I spoke to his colleague. And I said, colleague? I need to speak to your colleague, and I don't know what, this is a bit strange, but can I leave my number so he can call me if he wants to call me? I was like, this is really not, this is not looking good. I was like, what the hell? What this guy who looks like a joker want to speak to someone? I said, I, can, I know what he's thinking, but I was like, it's not that. I said, uh, could, could you um, just give him, if he wants to call, then, then call. And I went and just prayed about it, and two days later, he texted. And I gave him a word that I felt God said that, this is for him. And it was very specific. And I was a bit worried about how specific it was. And I was like, wow, it, this better work out because I'm going to feel shame. <laughs> I'm going to feel shame if this don't work. He texts back. And he says, how did you know? I don't know who you are, but how did you know my business? Such a way that his mother called me as well. What do you know? <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I said, I said, it's God. I said, it's not, it's nothing to do with a reading. It's not a reading because it's through that in the text. It's like, well, well, it's like, it's like some kind of a psychic or something. I said, it's not that. I said, it's God. And God is speaking to you guys. And I, and I, I gave the word the best I could and, and it's encouraged. I met up with the young man and it was a blessing. And I, I know for sure and I'm confident that you will see him here with me soon. And I, I say that because he, he needed, he needed to hear that as I needed to hear it a long time ago, as you did as well, that we are in this place. And I say that because when we keep Christ at the center, he can do wonders through you. And it's not because I speak on the stage. It's not, trust me, you see me muck up here. But it'll be in such a way that you'll lay down your life and that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's not by might nor by power, but because the anointing on your life is so serious, you can reach out. One will take a thousand, two will take ten thousand. Pentecostal roots coming out. <laughs> we sing the song, Spirit leads me onto waters, into places that we've never been before, where my faith will grow, and it will grow, I'm telling you because he's not through with you guys. Where some of you feel that you failed, at the center of who you are, Christ will change you and make you something so amazing, so beautiful, so wondrous, that actually he will give it up to save the masses. Last thing, sometimes we have scars from our past. We're so frightened about people seeing that. Can I have the worship team up, please? We hide them. I've been on Restore and I like hiding things. <laughs> but when we expose them to say, this is what happened when I was younger and I'm hurting but it's healed. Guess what we do to those people with open wounds? We say, in time they will heal. And when you have centered faith in Christ, you will have the courage 
to reveal your past. You won't lock it up. You will speak life to people and show them you can come through it. I came through it because Christ is with me. Would you stand with me? If any of you lack faith and do not know Jesus today will always be the beck and call that today is the day of salvation. Don't go leaving from this place and you do not know him for yourself. And I say, just say 1017, Louis, 1017. Louis, what's 1017? Romans 1017. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. All you need to do is 1017 is get into your word. Keep humming here. Keep listening to the word. Keep getting encouraged. 1017, but say it, 1017. You just teach a 1017 it. He will come in. He will shake your world. And remember this to all of you who think you're failures. The person who was writing to the Colossi, uh, Colossians church was Paul. My gosh, he was a murderer. My gosh, he was a failure. But yet God met him on the road to Damascus and changed his life. And because he met Jesus, his life was never the same. Every eye closed and every head bowed. My faith right now rises up and I pray you've been encouraged today. But with this word, I do call out, is there anyone here who says enough is enough? I need to give my life to this cause, to Jesus. Just raise your hand if that's you. I see your hand, I see your hand. I see your hand, bless you. I see your hand. We're gonna worship and guys, I won't leave you there afterwards. I'm gonna invite you either to come down or just pray where you are. But right now you enjoy this time of worship. In Jesus' name.